Thank you so much for joining us. For those who don't know me, my name is Kyle. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel, and it's my privilege to get to uh, lead us as we open up our Bibles, as we study God's Word. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to go through the second half of that section. But as you're turning there, I'll tell you a little bit something about me. Uh, I love British TV. In fact, I am so into British TV that I watch a show about people watching British TV. It's actually this show where they, they do this BBC, I think it's on BBC, but they, they actually have a show where it's the cameras on people in their living rooms watching British television programming. And, and I think it's the funniest thing that I've ever seen. Uh, and it's just uh, such a joy to get to watch that. But, but I really do. I, I like the sensibility. I like the, the dry humor, but also the slapstick aspect of British TV. And uh, I love the, it so much that I actually just kind of could sit and binge watch it all day. I try not to, of course, uh, for health, because, you know, I have a wife and kids and a job, and it wouldn't be healthy for me. But I really do enjoy it. And in fact, I actually even enjoy watching shows that just talk about life in the UK and, and what it is like, because it's sort of a fascinating thing, and it kind of harkens back to some of the heritage of the family and uh, some of my wife's families from back in England. And so, you know, there's just something about it. But in particular, one of the shows that I really enjoyed, which is a few years old now, was a show called The Crown. Anyone remember The Crown? It was on Netflix, and it was this look at the, the life of Queen Elizabeth II sort of through the decades, and it, it, they really committed to this show. Actually, I really appreciate it. To the, they went to the point where they actually chose different actresses and different actors to play the different characters so they could kind of give you a better picture of what these people were like through history and different stages of life. And it has all these great stories that maybe you've heard about, you know, from the, the foreign press, from stories of their journeys through history a little bit. But the way they dramatize it and stuff, I, I've just really come to appreciate that. But there was one particular episode that always stands out to me. And it's this episode in which the queen decides to leave the UK to go on a special trip that sort of suddenly comes up. And she's left with all of these engagements that, that she's supposed to go to. There's supposed to be some type of representative of the crown at these events. And so at this time, she's trying to figure out what it looks like. And so she turns to her younger sister, Princess Margaret, and she says, hey, could you go and be our representative at these events? Now, if you know much about Princess Margaret, she kind of had a bit of a chip on her shoulder and doesn't really appreciate the way her sister had been leading at the time. And so she decides, yeah, I'm going to go, but I'm sort of going to liven up and bring some color to the monarchy. And so she decides to go to a set of royal engagements in which she decides to start cracking some sort of off-the-cuff jokes. There's some dignitaries at one of the gatherings, and she doesn't particularly appreciate them, and kind of, for her sister, wants to sort of put them in their place, and so she starts to mock them openly at this dinner with these dignitaries, and, and she really tries to just put her own spin on what it would be like if she was the queen. Well, this goes over like a lead balloon. <laughs> like, this is just a train wreck. And so Winston Churchill, who's the prime minister at the time, ends up coming over to Princess Margaret's house, and he says, you're done. 
She's like, well, my sister said and lined up that, no, you're done. I actually have the authority in this. You're done. And he goes on to explain that the reason why he doesn't want her there anymore is because she's not being her. And she goes, what do you mean I'm not being me? I'm, of course I'm me. She's like, no, 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 you're not understanding. You're not being her, the queen. Your job is not to represent you. Your job is to represent the crown. People aren't here to meet you. This, of course, really upsets her, but I think it's this great picture of what the role in the life of a dignitary might look like, what the role of somebody who's supposed to come as an ambassador really should be. As a church, we've just finished a sermon series called Kingdom Come, looking at Matthew chapter 9 to 13, where we see, or 8 to 13, where we see this picture of Jesus coming. We read the history, the story of after he's given the Sermon on the Mount and talked about what it looks like for life to flourish in God's kingdom, what it looks like to live as one of God's people, he starts to bring it about. And he starts to go around and teach people and correct things, and he starts to provide miracles and teachings which really start to alter people's perception of what it means to be a member of God's kingdom, to be a part of God's family. And as we come to the conclusion of this study, what I really want us to do for a bit is to consider over this week and next week how that should influence our life. And so we're going to look over the next two weeks at two themes, how the kingdom of God should cause us to reach further and how the kingdom of God should cause us to grow deeper. How those are two actions, two responses, which should come out of our understanding of encountering who God is and what he can do in our world. And perhaps the best place that I can think of to give us a picture of how these things are all connected is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, on to 6, one. This is actually one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it really has this interplay of not just the knowledge that the Apostle Paul wanted to give God's people, but also what it should prompt us to do and how it should move our hearts. So let's read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, down to 6, verse 1. Paul wrote this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who, re- who has been reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So we've talked all about how Jesus is the king of God's kingdom, and that leaves us with the question, at least it leaves me with the question of, then who am I? What's my role? What's my responsibility? What comes out of all of this? 
I don't want to be a princess, Margaret. <laughs> I don't want to misstep and be misguided in my understanding of what my place is in God's kingdom. I don't want to go around and make a fool of myself, so I want to know how God's kingdom should lead me and guide me and where it should take me. I love this passage because it starts off telling us that when we come to faith in Jesus, the old way of life goes away and a new way comes. God imparts a new way of being, a new way of doing, a new way of living, a new sense of identity, a new mission and purpose for our lives. It tells us here that we are to become an ambassador of God on earth. And the ambassador's mission is to bring a message of God's reconciliation. So it's simple. How do we become an ambassador? We become an ambassador of God by what he has done within us. As we study Paul here, we see that God has come into the world as Jesus born, as fully God, fully man, he's lived his life, he's gone to the cross, and he's died for our sins. And as he's extended that to us, we have this opportunity where he does a work within us to bring us to life again. Paul's already explained at this point that every single one of us is dead in our sin, but we can be made alive in Christ. And when our faith and trust goes into Jesus, as we begin to follow him, we see this newness coming about. And in what God is doing in us and through us, we begin to represent him. We begin to look a little bit more like him. We begin to live our lives in a different way, which identifies that there's something different in us, and that is a representation of who God is. This is what it means when the old is gone and the new is here. Now, sometimes people get the wrong idea about Christianity, especially when it comes to verses like this. They think, well, God strips me of my identity, and that's a terrible thing. God gives me a list of do's and don'ts, and it becomes this rigid way of living. But that is a very short-sighted view of what God is saying here. In fact, what Paul is saying and trying to get us to understand is that God has done something incredible which has set us on a totally different path. It's as if each one of us were built and put on a set of tracks that would lead us towards a dead end. We're told that when we are born, we are born with this identity and predisposition towards going against God. We have the, the flesh side of us, as the Bible says, and we have the enemy of God who tries to keep steering us, and the train that we are on because of our rebellion against God, because of the things that we do that don't line up with his kingdom, have put us on a course towards not just death, but eternal separation from the God who created us. But the good news is that Jesus intervened that he's come to be a bridge between tracks, so to speak, that he has come so that we wouldn't have to go on the track that our lives are on towards destruction, but that through his work, we could get off that track and go in another direction. Jesus has come so that he could sacrifice his life 
so that we could be reconciled, so we could be restored in relationship to God and the things that he wants for our life. And then as we begin to go, as he begins to give us new things, we begin to move in a new direction which brings flourishing to our life, that brings hope and peace and joy and love rather than suffering and brokenness and endless senses of longing. And as we do that, we celebrate and we reflect him. I love what it says in verse 18. It says, this is all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. One of the great stories about all of this is the fact that Jesus makes it not dependent on us, but on him. We don't have to act in a certain way. We don't have to pass a certain test. We don't have to get a poli-sci degree to become an ambassador of him. But because of what God does in our world and in our lives, we get to join him in what he's doing. And it's out of his love for us. It's out of his love for other people that he begins to do work in us so that through us he can tell more of his story. That's what it says here. That through us God will reveal himself to even more people. And so as God begins to do a work in our life, as he begins to invade the world with his kingdom in and through us, the great news is that he builds also into us a new purpose, a new direction, that we get to celebrate him and help hopefully others do the same. Now many people get this wrong. They think this is a transactionary relationship. This isn't a transactionary relationship. We don't do and then God does. But instead it's a response. God does and then we do. A couple weeks ago I talked about how we live as God's family. And in that we said what is happening is that the evidence comes in the fruit our lives are lived in response to the seeds God has planted within us. And this is what makes us an ambassador. What's an ambassador, really? What's an ambassador's role? What do they do? An ambassador's job is to be a representative of someone or something. That's all they're there to do. They're not there to give their spin on it like Princess Margaret at this table with dignitaries where she decided to tell people what she thought of them or what her agenda was or how she thought things should be. An ambassador's job is to represent, in Princess Margaret's case, the thoughts and opinions and actions of the queen. And so for us then, as ambassadors of Christ, our job is not to give our take, our spin, our way of being, but it's to give God's. Our lives are meant to live out what Jesus has been just talking about. When Jesus came and gave the Sermon on the Mount and talked about all these great ways of doing and being, he didn't say, I'm giving you these so that you can now give your spin on them. He said, I'm giving you these things that one day you would go and share them with others so that they might have life to the fullest. In verse 20, we read, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Our job is to be vessels, our voices that really just echo and amplify what God is already saying and doing. 
And this is our message. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What I love about this passage too is that Paul gets this. Paul's actually not just a teacher, but he's also an example. If you've studied history and you know who the Apostle Paul is, you knew that he was this great Jewish leader. He was an upcoming political mover and shaker. He was involved highly at the church. He was a great philosopher. He was a great leader. But unfortunately, at least in the beginning, he had a hate on for God. He saw who God was revealed when he came as Jesus and he said, this isn't the way. And as others began to follow Jesus, he decided, no, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to not just make these people's lives a little bit harder. I'm actually going to go and imprison people and I'm going to kill people and we are going to put an end to this. And this is the way that Paul lived until he had an encounter with God. As Paul traveled on his way to go make some people's lives miserable, Jesus came and met him on a road. Jesus came and showed him who he really is and how Paul's understanding of him was completely misguided. And what he did in Paul was incredible. He turned his life around. It was as if he flipped a switch. It was immediate in what God did in the Apostle Paul's life. He went from persecuting and killing these Christians to going out and advancing the story of who Jesus is. Paul himself was one of the best examples because he has shown the power of what Jesus can do. He can take an angry, murderous man and turn him into one of the most loving and compassionate and joy-filled individuals in all of history. And so Paul says, you have to know what God can do. You have to know what God has done. And then once you know, you got to share that with other people. We can't just let it stop at ourselves and in the place that we live and how God has begun to do some of the decluttering in our life and bringing in new things. No, it doesn't stop there. We have to go and bring this. It doesn't just become a new identity. It becomes a new way of living. Paul understands what Jesus ended up coming and teaching in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Towards the end of Jesus' life, after he died and been resurrected, Jesus came and he said, this is your mission if you are with me. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Notice what he says here. He says also that, that, that God is with us, that he's doing a new thing, that he's moving in our hearts, that he will be with us, he'll sustain us, he'll guide us in everything, and in that we are to go and be his voice. We're to be his ambassadors. We're to share what he has commanded us, what he wants for our lives. And this mission is meant to be all-consuming. 
Dallas Willard wrote something called, uh, a book called The Great Omission. And it's actually one of the best books I've ever read. And it's this great book because what it explains is, is that there has become this gap in our understanding of what it means to be a member of God's kingdom. A lot of us have come to this point where we have embraced what salvation can mean in that it saves us by taking us off one track and setting us on to the next one. But where we have omitted what Jesus has taught is what it looks like to live on that new track, what it looks like to be and do. The reason Jesus came as a rabbi in his time and day was because Jesus wanted to come at a point of history where he could show by demonstrating through his life what it looked like to be a disciple. In Jesus' day, to be in a rabbi-disciple relationship was to, for the disciple to mimic not just what the teacher would say, it's not just to be a parrot and be able to regurgitate information, but the disciple was there to do everything that the teacher did so that they could embody the character and nature of their rabbi. Jesus says, this is what I want for you. It's meant to be all-consuming, not because that wins you over to God. God's already done all of that. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, Jesus has already come. He's paid the price. He's won you over by his spirit. He's given you faith so that through his grace, you might be saved. But it's then the moving along the track so that you can go and spread his message so you can go and be his, his ambassador that we need to begin to do. If you are a follower of Jesus, my question would be, what gives you meaning? What gives you purpose? And how are you living out of that? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Culturally, I think if you were to go out to any social setting... I know we haven't had parties in a while, but say you were at a party and you were to go and introduce yourself, generally one of the first things you would do is say your occupation or what you spend most of your time doing. I've done this all sorts of places at different points in my life with different jobs. I go, hey, I'm Kyle, I'm so-and-so. Right now I'd say I'm a pastor. Before I might have said I was a paramedic. Before that, I was in corporate team building. All these different sorts of things I would go and I would introduce myself and explain that's who I was. And then maybe some point as the conversation went along, I would get to the fact that I'm a Christian. Where does that show that my identity and my life's time and purpose and meaning and value comes from? And how we do this, we would probably express that our vocation is that. Maybe if we're really spiritual, we might add on that we're a Christian fill-in-the-blank. I'm a Christian dentist, or I'm a Christian teacher, or I'm a Christian truck driver, or sales associate, I'm a Christian banker, I'm a Christian artist, I'm a Christian whatever. And that, that's said with good intention. I, I really do believe that people have good intentions in these things, but the sad part is it fails to show what it really is because it's just an add-on. It's not the whole of who we are. It doesn't express what it means to be an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who doesn't just go and 
punch a clock in and out as they go from their hotel room to a meeting in another country. An ambassador is someone who goes to be the presence of a country or a monarchy or a leader in one place at all times. The Canadian ambassador to China isn't a politician who happens to be a Canadian while they're in China. The Canadian ambassador to China is a person who is there in China to bring the fullness of Canadian presence and political insight to the best of their ability where they are. This is what our lives should look like. We are called to be wherever we are as an embodiment, as the presence of our King in every place, in every space, with every face. That's what we're there to do. I wholeheartedly believe that if we're really going to see the advancement of the kingdom, there needs to be an advancement in our understanding of our identity. Our identity as ambassadors of him. And the good news is, that as we do that, it says that God will continue to do what he wants to do. I know a lot of people can get defeated when they come to passages like this and as we try to restructure our understanding of what our life looks like because we say, you know what? I've gone and I've tried to be God's representative in that person's life, in that person's life, or in this workplace, and you know what? It just keeps on bringing me down. I haven't had success. What's going on? I mean, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I'm, I'm not being right. And, 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 and I get that. I've been there. I, I, I have friends who, Amy and I, we, we've spent so much time trying to invest into their lives, not because they need to be saved, but because they need to know the greatest thing that could ever be for the flourishing of their life and their eternity. And it hurts when they don't get it. But again, I'm not the king. The king will accomplish his plan. I love what Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians, in his early letter, earlier letter to this church in Corinth. He writes something that reminds us and ties in with what we've read here in 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Remember, it's not our voice and our words and our actions that are really speaking to the heart of somebody, but it is God in and through us. It is the Holy Spirit who goes out and does the work. We're just there to bring his presence wherever we go. And God's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. Look at yourself. You didn't get yourself to where you are in terms of salvation. God did. Yes, he probably did it through somebody else. But the reality is, is that it was God who brought you to the place you're on. It was God who was made you able to cross the tracks. It is God who has put you on a new course, who gives you an identity, and who wants to live you on mission. And God will continue to do that in the lives of those he wants to reach. It's not about us. It's not our failure. If we 
are tangibly going to bring the presence of God with all that we are able, God will accomplish what he will accomplish. And even in fact, if we don't do it, he's still going to do what he wants to do. When you hear the voice within you telling you this is pointless, this is stupid, this is going to make you look bad, that is the flesh and the enemy speaking. The voice of God says, wherever I have put you, wherever I called you, I will go before you and with you and behind you and I will accomplish the advancement of my kingdom. The question is, will we do it? Will we go? Will we embrace our nature as a true ambassador of our king or will we decide to live a little bit more like Prince Margaret? What a great opportunity. What a great joy it is that God invites us to be what he calls co-laborers. We get to be involved in the work. God doesn't need us, but he gets to invite us in. And what I love about that is it also shows God's heart for each and every one of us. As we work alongside of him, as we try to be more like him, what God does is he comes and meets us in those places. Some of the best people, probably your best friends, are, are people who you've worked alongside of at some point. And because there's something beautiful that happens, as we work alongside of somebody, we get to share our strengths and weaknesses. We get to talk about the things that are going on in our lives. We get to wrestle through different situations and thoughts and feelings. And as we do that, we become friends. And I believe God gave us the ministry of going and being his ambassador so that we could become closer to him. Because he knows how he hardwired us, that as we go and as we do, he will come alongside of us and we'll need him and we'll jump in and we'll recognize that, hey, this is going to fail if it's all up to me, but great, God is doing what God is doing and so I get to take a part. Being a co-laborer with Christ is one of the greatest things. But on the note of co-labor, I'd also encourage you to consider those who are around us. One of the great things is God doesn't just call us to be ambassadors all on our own, but he calls together a community of people who are all ambassadors together. As I think about the different people who have meant most to me in life, it's generally been the people who I have served alongside of for the purpose of advancing God's mission, whether it's people I've prayed deeply and earnestly with, whether it's people I've gone to serve the hungry and the poor with, whether it's the, the, the staff team we have here at the church, the people we get to talk, I get to talk to and work alongside of, whether it's our, our elders and, and meeting together and praying together and trying to figure out how we can advance the gospel together. These become the people who I am closest with. And I'm so thankful because God uses that to encourage us and strengthen us and, and allows us to advance the gospel together even within our own lives as he works in there. One of the things that I've been struck with is a few of my friends who have worked in the military. When I know them before they go on tour, there might be a relationship there. But after they've gone on tour, tour that relationship changes and that's not a bad thing but what happens is as they go on tour as they work alongside the guys that they're on tour with as they perhaps have to deal with incredibly stressful situations after they have to fight or peacekeep in incredibly difficult circumstances they forge a bond 
that is far different than any normal relationship. And that doesn't discourage me, it encourages me. Because it's a reminder through something small in the world of how God works and it encourages me to look for a place where that can grow even deeper. As we go and fight God's battles, as we not because he needs us to, but as he invites us into, as we go and try to press in and advance his kingdom and bring his peace in a world that is hostile to his message, we have opportunity to grow and deepen in our relationship with one another. You know, church, I know a lot of people right now who feel very disconnected. It's been a real tough few years as the church, as we've been on and off, and and we're coming to this place, and I'm so thankful we get to be at one service and have so many people here, and those who are able to join online can have a community online. I'm I'm so thankful for that, but but one of my fears is that what we're going to do is we're going to come to this place where we say, you know what, the best way for us to reconnect is to focus all on the inside. I know that's our temptation, and I've heard that, and I've even spoken that. Oh, we got to do this to figure out how we connect on the inside. But as I'm reminded by the stories of how God works, as I'm reminded by seeing how God has worked at building relationship in my life, how there's just this general revelation of how God works out in the world through the military, through those who serve in places of work, I am reminded that perhaps the best way that we can grow and connect with one another is if we actually go together. I think the relationships that we're looking for, the deepening of the church and the bonds between people won't be found in a program or an activity that happens here in these doors, but it will be as we go and be ambassadors, as we bring God's presence to the community, to our culture, to our nation, to our world. As we do that alongside of each other, God will be at work, not just in our lives, not just in the lives of others, but in and through each other. So what are we going to do? This is the truth that the scriptures speak about. That God is at work in the world, that he has done something great through the power of the cross, that he has made us have access into his kingdom through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he's also called us to go and do and be his ambassador, and that he wants to advance the great news of what he's done on the cross in and through us that he invites us to come along, to get to know him more, to get to know his story through those who we walk alongside of. What will we do with those truths? Well, I would hope that if you have not yet received what God offered through the cross, that you would come to know him. If you're finding yourself beat up and hurting and purposeless and you don't know what your identity is and you're struggling to know where you should go, how you should live, how something can finally bring about a flourishing life, I would hope that you would listen to the teachings and example of Jesus, that you would hear what his Holy Spirit is saying to you, that you need to put your faith and trust in him and trust in him not just for your salvation but for the whole of your life because he will bring good things, new things a new identity, a new purpose, a new way of being, and in that he will lead you to a flourishing life now and forever after. For others of us, I think we need to strongly consider where and with whom we are being God's ambassadors. If you can't name one, two, three people who you are intentionally being an ambassador towards, you need to ask yourself the question, why not? And then you need to ask yourself the question, who am I going to go to? 
This isn't some type of domination where we've come to overthrow other people and beat them into submission. This is a call on our life that God has placed us exactly where he wants us to be, his ambassador. And we have an opportunity to share the flourishing life of God's kingdom with those we love the most. Who are they? How will you share? If you've been a part of Emmanuel for any little bit of time you've probably heard me use this acronym but i would hope that we would be people who would go and bless will we go and bless our community some of us we have those one two three people but we don't know how we're gonna go about doing it well this is an example of how you can do it i learned this from a pastor down in the states named jeff he he says whenever you want to figure out how you can enhance the god's kingdom the first thing you do is you begin with prayer talk to god about it Ask him how he can do it. Begin to pray over the people. God invites us not to just pray to him with a checklist, not just to pray to him when we're worried, but God also invites us to fight a spiritual battle alongside of him as we join him in prayer. And so we go and we pray, we talk to him, we seek advice, but we also contend for the lives of people we care about. The next thing is that we go to those people and we listen. We start to listen to the heart of, that is revealed in the conversation with those around us. People love to talk about themselves. Have you ever noticed that? You probably love to talk about I love to talk about myself. Everyone loves to talk about themselves. But if we're willing to actually stop and listen, what's amazing is that people will often reveal as they talk to themselves the places where they have the greatest need, the places where they have the greatest longing, the places where they need God's kingdom to intersect the most. If we're listening, we'll hear those places of brokenness, struggle, and hopelessness. And we can consider how we will get there. Dallas Willard, who I mentioned before, has this great question that he asks people, maybe not in this exact set of wording, but he asks people to help them understand. And I'll, I'll give it in some context. Dallas Willard said, evangelism is not soul winning. It is witnessing to the truth to help people to know. Don't just try to get people into heaven. Try to get heaven into people. If heaven gets inside a person now, then getting into heaven for eternity will take care of itself. He says, to get a conversation started, ask people, how's it going with your kingdom? How's it going with your queendom today? If we will ask the questions and allow people to open, we will hear those places where we can be witnesses to the truth. And as we do that, I'd encourage you to eat alongside people. Nothing better for building relationship than eating. And then go and serve them. Help come alongside in those places of needs. That's what often ambassadors actually go and they end up doing. They end up coming and as they bring their, the, the presence of their, their country or their monarch or their leader, whoever, as they go and do that, they try to serve. Because as we serve alongside others, we open, again, doors and softness of hearts. We till the ground for the soil. If you think back to the, the parable of the sower, and as we do that, we have the opportunity to share. We get to scatter the seeds of the truth of what God means in our life and for their lives. And as we do that, I truly believe that it blesses the lives of all those who we are with. The results of that aren't up to us. The results of this are totally up to God, and God says that he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish, and so we just take heart as we go to bless. 
And so identify one, two, three, or more people who you might be called to to go and be God's ambassador. And then take others along to do the same. So often we feel like we have to go it alone, but one of the great things about having a church family is we have others who God has also created to be ambassadors who we can come and bring alongside of us. Maybe your heart right now is reaching out for the farmers in our community. Grab one or two other people from the church and go and bless those people together. One of the coolest stories I know about from a mom uh, in our church is that on, I think it's Tuesday mornings, after she and another group of moms drop their kids off for school, they get together and they pray over the school and they pray over all the kids and all the teachers and the whole of the neighborhood and our city every single Tuesday. They gather together to be ambassadors in front of that school every day. I remember there was a a great movement even when I was a student in school. They called uh, Gather Around the Flagpole. I don't know if anyone remembers this. And it was this idea that we would gather around the flagpole at our school and we'd pray over a school and we'd pray over a country and that was an opportunity. We don't have to do that alone. We can do it alongside someone else. If you're a business owner, grab some other people. If you're a professional, grab some other people in your profession and figure out how you can go and do this together in our community, in your space, whatever it looks like. Our faith doesn't have to just be something that's intellectual. Our faith doesn't just have to be something that saves us for eternity, as great as a gift that is. Our faith can actually be something that transforms us from the inside out and leaves us, leads us towards a life of purpose and meaning and flourishing. What a great opportunity it is to receive the good news of who Jesus is and then go and share it with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a king worth living for. God, I think if it was expanding my own kingdom, it probably wouldn't be worth the effort. I think that if it was advancing the goals of of certain things I'm passionate about that aren't about you, God, I, I don't think it would be worth living for. But God, I know you are worth living for. Jesus, I thank you that you have demonstrated your love for us on the cross. I thank you that you've demonstrated your power for us through your resurrection. I thank you that you can give us hope to believe in the way that you fulfilled the prophecies through what you have done. And God, when we are discouraged, when we are beat up, God, I pray that we would be a people who could cling to those promises. Would you bring them to mind, Holy Spirit, when we need them? Heavenly Father, I am just so thankful that life doesn't have to be hopeless, that it doesn't have to be purposeless, that it doesn't have to to be futile in any way, but that every moment in every place for every life who you have saved, that there can be hope and promise. And God, as a church, would we cling to that? Would we know that identity so deeply? Would it move us to, to such a great extent that we would want to go and bless our community? Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you have accomplished. And God, I look forward to what you will accomplish through us together as we serve alongside of you, as you accomplish what you want in and through us. Lord God, now as we 
turn and, and respond to you in song as we, we declare you as our king, as we offer our lives for you to take. Lord God, would you do something transformative in us so that we would not leave this place the same as how we came in. Lord, we thank, thank you for this all and we give it all over to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.